This is the Go Radio Football Show Podcast. Hosted by Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Cragen. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! On the last day of football's transfer window, it feels like the end of an era for Celtic. Hudson Edwards putting the finishing touches to his move to Crystal Palace. Lee Griffiths has gone on loan to Dundee. Seems like Ryan Christie is on his way to Bournemouth in the English Championship. More high-profile departures from the squad that won the quadruple treble, John Hartson. Yes, it's almost, you know... an end of an era. I'd, li- I'd like to get on the the front foot, Rob, and be more positive and say it's probably a start of a new era rather than the end of an era. You know, with a new manager, with signings coming in, um, almost I think it's nine signings now, and that's not including the Greek striker um, that is potentially you know going to. Uh... Are you talking about George's Jakimakis? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that, but not me. <laughs> But no, as I said, it, it is the start of a new era. Uh, you know, he's come in, Postecoglou, and he's almost had to, you know, build a new team right, right from the goalkeeper right the way through to the centre forward. Yep. Meanwhile, Rangers have loaned out Swiss striker Cedric Eaton to uh, a German team who I'll be pronouncing later. Croatian defender Nikola Katic has been linked with a move to Hajduk split. But Rangers, Stephen Cragen, are heading towards the end of the window without any VIP departures. Well, from the outside looking in, it's as if they're taking a gamble to push for Champions League football next year. I think the disappointment of not making Champions League this year has probably put a little bit more pressure on the team to go and win the championship, Rob. So one or two things are going to happen. They're either going to have a mass sale of next summer when players have to go or they get into the Champions League, recoup their money and they move forward. But whatever way it works, Stuart Robertson had said that there will be players leaving every transfer window mm-hmm. and no big name has left as yet. Watch this space. We're into the the final hours of the transfer window, but no significant outgoings from Rangers as we speak. It must be a fair old wage bill, you would imagine. Winners, of course, on Sunday in the first Old Firm game of the season. uh, 1-0 it was at uh, Ibrox. So that news, that transfer news, uh, which will be uh, talking about right through the show as the window comes to its conclusion we'll also be speaking about Denmark against Scotland tomorrow night only 16 outfield players are in Stevie Clark's squad now with uh, various call-offs and uh, absentees it's going to be tough against the top seeds in the group Scotland Moldova Saturday at Hamden and then next Wednesday uh, Scotland are in Austria. It's a crucial phase of internationals which will decide, you would imagine, whether we have got any chance whatsoever of qualifying uh, for another major final. It's going to take a big effort, you feel. Uh, the Celtic news is that Odson Edouard has completed his medical and is expected to sign a five-year deal as a £14 million move from Celtic to Crystal Palace is finalised. Finalised. Celtic aiming to replace uh, Odson Edouard with Georges Jakumakis from the Dutch side Venlo. Um, he was top scorer in the Eredivisie in Netherlands last season uh, with 26 goals, which was pretty impressive, John Hartson, because uh, his team was relegated. So, I mean, that can't happen too often, I, I wouldn't imagine. No, you that, that, uh, that a scorer of that sort of number of goals yeah. is playing for a team that goes down. But let's talk about Odson Edouard. Um, it's all 
faded away for him, hasn't it, in the last weeks and months? But he's been a top player in his time for Celtic. Just looking at the stats, 88 goals for Celtic, 179 appearances. He was loaned initially from PSG in 2017, permanent deal in 2018. And he's been a top player, hasn't he? Well, he has. Um, and I think the overriding feeling amongst the Celtic fans is, is that he's not tried a leg. Um, his effort levels... Certainly in the last sort of 12 to 14 months, although saying that, he scored, uh, I think it was 19 um, league goals last season, 29, I believe, in total. So he, he still kept scoring goals. But what it was with uh, Edouard Rob was that he raised the bar. He raised the bar so high in terms of his work rate. He had desire, um, you know, the, the closing defenders down. He had a brilliant touch. He could hold it up. He could score. He had a bit of everything, really, especially when Celtic got him and Dembele in the same team. And then they sold Dembele to Leon for big money. Um, Dembele only came in for 400000 from Fulham. So it was a brilliant bit of business from Celtic. But in terms of that, in terms of his levels initially and um, and where he is now, I think his head got turned. Um, I think he, he wanted to leave. He wanted to go and join a Premier League side after he, he, you know, he scored so many goals for Celtic. Um, and now he's got his move. It's come late in the day. Crystal Palace, I think he'll do very well. I think he's suited for um, the English Premier League. I, I think you get more time on the ball down there. And um, if Crystal Palace have got players that can create chances for him. And is £14 million a good fee for Celtic, bearing in mind he's into his final season? I think that'll rise. I think that's with um, add-ons and things. So it could go up to 18, 19 eventually. Um, but considering he's into the last year and, and Celtic have done what, what maybe Rangers haven't done into his Rangers want to go and keep all their players possibly and they're really confident about going on and winning the league this season then you get the Champions League money and everything else Celtic maybe are not overly confident of doing that even with Edouard they've decided to let him go I think it's not bad money it's a very similar situation to Ayer Ayer's gone to Brentford for the same type of fee but we wish him well. Um, he's been a magnificent player. But as I said, a lot of fans are like, well, give and take really in terms of they want people at Celtic that are going to give everything for them. And he just certainly haven't done that. I think they need some money back though. If you're investing £9 million, it's your biggest outlay, your most expensive player ever. You can't just allow his contract to run down and leave at the end of the season, even if they get the Champions League money and it you know, just dwindles away for nothing. I think to get something back in means you can recoup some money. And you have to look back at the you know, the last two windows for Celtic. 12 million for Frimpong, 13 million for Ayer, 14, 15 million pounds for Edward. 25 for Chiantini, not far before that. Few, yeah. you know, so then possibly something for Ryan Christie. 40 million pounds plus is a lot of money coming in. There's no doubt... Odds and Edward is at Crystal Palace or signing for Crystal Palace because exactly what John says, what's happened to him and his form in the last 12 or 13 months? 12 months ago, 13 months ago, 14 months ago, we would have stood here and said he can get a top six club in England. Why did Brendan Rodgers not come for him? Why did Everton not come for him? Arsenal, his form has gone down a little bit. So even though he thinks he's unhappy and you know he wants to show everybody he's not happy, I think that's affected his chances of getting a move to where he should be going to, which is a top six, seven, eight club in England. Not a Crystal Palace who are going to be scrambling and fighting for their lives to try and stay in the Premier League. I think he's better than that. So the challenge for him now is to go to the big league, show what he can do, bring his A game, 
and then he could possibly still have a chance of moving on. John, this really sharpens the focus, doesn't it, on the Ange Postacoglu rebuild at Celtic. When you look at uh, Christie going, Edouard going, uh, the, the, these high-profile departures, Griffiths going, Scott Brown had already gone, Ayers gone. Uh, when you look at the, the current Celtic squad, McGregor, Rogic and Forrest are probably the only three mainstays of the team that won the quadruple treble. And it does um, it does sharpen that focus, doesn't it, on what Ange Postacoglu has to do to rebuild? Yes, and he's already brought in nine, um, nine players. So uh, we, we're not quite sure whether Glacomakas will come in. The, the, Greek, the Greek striker did very well, as you say, in the, in the Dutch league last season. Uh, there's more to be done he might not get it all done in this window and I go back to you know a transition period these players need a bit of time to settle in so does that mean no title for Celtic this season? I don't say no title at all I think they're very capable of winning the title we got to talk about the game at the weekend I felt there wasn't much in that game I thought Celtic played very well in the first half but we'll we'll go on to that a bit later on Mm -hmm. Um, So So you think despite the amount of business he has still to do to bring people in and also to get them together as a team, uh, Celtic can still be rivals for the title. I think they can. I think the way they played against their biggest rivals at the weekend, Celtic certainly deserved something out of the game. When Rangers went ahead, they defended very, very strongly. But before that, we saw Edward's chance. You know, we we saw McCrory save really well with his feet. Mm. Rangers went 1-0 up and they defended the lead. They were excellent in the second half period when Celtic were putting a bit of pressure on them. But I'm not going to write off Celtic's chances of winning the league. They could go again in January, which they will have to bring more players in. So it might just be a case of if they can be on Rangers' tail come the next window, then you know they might have to go. I think they will have to bring more players. I still think we're short of a couple of uh, defenders. I think certainly at centre-half. This now with Edward and Lee Griffiths, this at this moment in time, we have only got one centre forward at the football club. Yeah. And that's Kyogo. You've got a Yeti. A Yeti, yeah, but I don't think a Yeti will play. Are you not classing him as a centre forward? I don't think he will play. Right. I really don't. I, I, it's, just I, a, it's just a body, really, isn't it? You know, he's not going to threaten yeah. the play. Oh, I'm not being, I'm not being, I don't, I don't think the boy can link. Um, I, I thought West Ham probably thought they'd run the lottery getting £5 million for him. Yeah. I don't think he's really impressed anybody no. at the club. Look, Looking at the, the, the Sunday's game, we're two days on, looking at Sunday's game from, from another viewpoint, we're going to hear from a, a Rangers fan, David, in a moment. Um, could that be a turning point for Rangers, do you think, this season? The fact that they won on Sunday, it's been a stuttering start to the season, they've been less than impressive by their standards. Could that be the trigger for them now? to well, get back to the levels they hit last season and and maybe uh, replicate what they did last season? Well, if they were looking for a shot in the arm, they've got it. What it showed was it was one team that knew how to win an old firm game. I think that's what that Rangers team showed, Rob. John touched on it. They went ahead, they defended, they didn't panic when they didn't have the ball, they kept their shape, they were resolute, hard to play against. Uh, and it was a difficult week, albeit it was still a very strong Rangers side. But the disruption and the build-up to the game of some players going to Armenia, some players not going, arriving back, not knowing who was fit for the weekend. Patterson being a late pull off, a, a late call off through COVID. Also, Balogun having to play right back. So as much as you can say, yeah, you know, it's still a strong squad, but mentally and emotionally, not knowing what the team's going to be, not knowing who's going to be available, and playing against your rivals who are on the up, who are really looking forward to the game. 
everybody speculating about Celtic what they could do how they could win the game how they could turn Rangers over Rangers are champions they need to win the form hasn't been good so for them to be mentally strong and a lot of people have questioned the mentality of the players and the capabilities of the players that was a big test for them on Sunday could they go and stand up to that fight they managed to see the game out they wouldn't really care if they played well or not all for Rangers was simply win the game need to win the game and see where it takes them. So that's why I think they were buzzing at the end that, yeah, they hadn't played as well as what they would like to, but they got better as the game went on. 08, 08, 17, 17, 700 if you want to join the football discussion, Tuesday's Go Radio football show. Let's talk to David, a Rangers fan. Hi, David. Evening, everybody. Hi, David. Hi, David. What are you thinking? How significant, David, was that win on Sunday? I think with um, a lot of the players out, I think... Uh, maybe created a, a siege mentality where we kind of go, right, let's go out there and do the best that we can. And we, we did what Champions Day. We, we won the game. We got the three points on the, the table. And that's all that counts at the end of the day. Um, obviously, the international break coming up and transfer deadline day is today. And I'm really thankful that it looks as if the Morelos deal that was gone about in the papers is not going to happen. I, I thought he was the, the biggest player to keep a hoddy. Is that a pleasant surprise for you that it seems as if there are going to be no significant outgoings? There was a few things coming about, uh, flying about. Obviously, um, there was a bid from, uh, I think it was Everton, from Nathan Parkinson yeah. out, out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, I really don't want him to go because you can see he's going to be the ne- one of the next big things for Scottish football. Probably one of the best prospects that Rangers Academy is producing. I can't even think of how long. It probably be Barry Ferguson would probably be the the the, the last great one that we produced. Um, it's it's really great to keep all our best players um, and they get a few in as well. Uh, obviously, there was rumours about uh, Barisic as well, and uh, maybe he was going to get replaced with Doidge or something like that. But obviously, we transfer deadline day. You never know what's going to happen, but it looks as if we've kept Hoddy the biggest players, and that's great for our Rangers fans' view. And do you feel as if Rangers are off and running now on the back of uh, that performance and result on Sunday? Do you expect them on the other side of the wind of the of the international break to to kick on? I would uh, I would think so. Um, I think um, we were just needing that wee shot of energy, if you know what I mean. We needed something to come out offer us. Um, I was hoping maybe it would be the Malmo game, but that's gone in past now. Um, now uh, beating the Celtic as well, I really think that will give us pull in the fire to get us, get the players gone, get the the team gone, and we'll only see once uh, the international breaks coming on. But mark my words, as history has shown, the the team that wins the first old firm normally wins the title. How impressed were you, John, with Rangers Sunday? I was impressed with the second half performance. I thought Celtic bossed the first half. Um, I think when Celtic go there with no crowd, I thought they got hold of the ball. They kept possession very well. Um, when Kyogo played in Edouard, you don't want it to drop to any other player than Edouard. He just fluffed his lines, really missed his chance. Um, and I thought Celtic went in at half-time probably thinking they could have been a goal up. I know Ryan Kent hit the post as well for Rangers. But to go there with a with a new team, Ange Postecoglou, no Celtic away fans, um, and everything else. I thought Celtic actually got themselves into the game very well, Rob. And I thought, as I said, the possession, um, everything else, you know, I thought McGregor was playing well. He was taking it. Kyogo went out to the left. But I don't think he's overly 
comfortable. I think he likes prefers to play through the middle. It was him that crossed the ball in for Edouard. And then it was Ziff in the second half then. They go in nil-nil. Gerard's probably on the television to the lads, speaking to them. Gary McAllis is there. They've re-galvanised at half-time. They came out for the second half and they were excellent, Rangers said. They couldn't get the ball in the first 15-20 minutes. And then they get the, they get the goal, Holanda. He's run from the edge of the box. No Celtic player really wants to take responsibility and block him or try and jump with him. He's got above... Um, somebody told me that Welsh was marking him or Ralston was there. And then you've got uh, Starfelt who he jumps above. He Only one player wants to win that header mm. and that was Holanda through desire, commitment. He put his head on it and it beat your heart. So from then, I thought Rangers defended very strongly. They had that one lead to defend and they weren't going to let Celtic in it. Although Kyogo then had a good chance, when he went through the middle, made a great run, and McCrory's made a great save with his feet. But I thought Rangers um, at the weekend, uh, listen, they got the goal and they defended strongly. As David said, you know, they, they played like they played yeah. like champions in terms of winning the game 1-0. They get the lead and they hold on to it. And as a team, they're saying, right, we've done the hard work. Let's now stand strong and make sure we, we get these yeah. three points. If Celtic are launching themselves here into a new era under Ange Postacoglu, that was a pretty worrying recurring theme that they yet again conceded Crags from a set piece. It's seven games. Yeah. Well, it's seven games now Celtic haven't beat Rangers for. Yeah. But it wasn't going to disappear just because a new manager came in. It was quite clear they needed to have something different. You either stop crosses, you clearly a corner kick you can't, or you have to go uh, and, and be aggressive. But you look at the two central defenders, six foot, six foot one, that's not uh, a real presence. You look at Connor Golson, six foot two, six foot three. You look at Hollander, six foot three, six. You know, the big boy, Balogun, six Balogun foot as four. Well, yeah. You know, Rob, they're a big aggressive side. Okay, at times you get beat. But there's, you know, just having that impressive figure standing in the middle of your six yard boxes, you're taking a corner kick thinking, you know, no matter where I put this ball, someone's going to go and head it. Yeah, you but don't Craig, get that feeling what would you Celtic. do? What would you do? You come up against Baldi, Mialbi, yeah. myself. Yeah. So what would you do? You'd block. Yeah, well, you block and you, you grab and block. you've got to get sight and you've got, you know, you've got a challenge. But That's if, you, you if you're do. blocking man-to-man and Hollander's on the edge of the box, then you've got to be three or four yards away from it. You can't stand in the six-yard box. He's, got to he's, run. he's running 10, 15 yards. He gets yeah. a one, two, three. He's six foot four, but he's jumping 10 feet. Mm. He's, he's taken off. Yeah. You know, when you get that one, two, three jump, you've got to be... I'm more nouse about you and you've got to there's got to be a leader there's got to be somebody that says hey, hold on a minute who, who's marking who yeah, here yeah. and all right, if they're marking in zones if it comes into your area you make sure there was no attempt there was really no attempt to challenge Holanda yeah. that, that, that was the frustrating thing from a defensive point of view that led to the goal which ultimately you know wins the game That's the big for moment in the game isn't it and David's happy because uh, Rangers are off to a winning start in terms of old firm games this season David thanks for your call Right, thanks very much, guys. Thanks, David. Good to have you in the show. David from Cumbernauld. Happy that Rangers are uh, on the back of that 1-0 win in the Old Firm match against Celtic on Sunday. If you want to join the football chat with us, uh, Rob McLean, John Hartson, Stephen Cragen, 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. The transfer window will close uh, tonight. I think it's 11 o'clock down south and... And uh, 12 midnight up here. And of course, it doesn't just close. It's got to slam shut 
um, if you're delving into your book of cliches. This is Tuesday's Go Radio football show. Stephen Craigan and John Hartson with me, Rob McLean, and you if you want to join us and, and have a chat about the football. What about Odson Edward heading for Crystal Palace for £14 million? What have you made of him lately? Or what have you made of his contribution at Celtic? Overall, 88 goals in his time you can text us as well go on your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show uh, Lee Griffiths on his way to Dundee on loan for the season it seems as if Ryan Christie is heading for Bournemouth in the English Championship and there are going to be no it seems at the moment as we speak uh, major outgoings as far as Rangers are concerned but what about that deal which has uh, taken Lee Griffiths away from Celtic not so long since he was given that one year extension uh, but he's now gone on loan to James McPake and Dundee I've played a lot of football this season and you know, Dundee have given me that opportunity to come and, come and showcase what I can do. You know, James picked up the phone and, and made me feel wanted. That was a big factor for me, knowing him, you know, my full career. My goal record speaks for itself and, you know, that's that's what I come here to do. I'm, I'm coming here to score goals and, and make sure that Dundee stay in the league. He's 31. Um, he just recently signed that extension to Celtic deal, probably before Ange Postacoglu uh, came on the scene, um, I think. Played for Dundee uh, between 2009-2011 before signing for Wolves. He was previously a teammate of Dundee manager uh, James McPakes at Livingston. Uh, career-wise, 234 goals in 487 club appearances. And in terms of Celtic, it's 123. There was one uh, famous season, I think about six seasons ago, where he scored uh, 40. Um, so uh, he's been a serious goal scorer in his time, John, but it hasn't gone well in recent times. Yeah. And it's no great surprise in the end, is it, no. that, that he's going on loan to Dundee? He said it himself. Uh, he, he, wants to, he wants to feel wanted. Uh, what he means by that is he wants to play. Um, I think he will play at Dundee. I think they've invested heavily in him for Dundee in terms of the wages. I think Celtic would be playing, uh, would be paying the, the majority of his wages. But of course, Dundee will have to add to that as well. Um, and I think he'll score goals at Dundee. I think it's a really mm. good move for him. I don't think he'll play for Celtic again. Um, you just said there, Rob, that they gave him the year's contract. Um, that the, sounds like the, a bad the, bit of business, doesn't it? When when they've, they've weighed him in with a, an, an extra year, and they're going to end up paying most of his salary, you would imagine, yeah. uh, while he's on loan uh, at Dundee. It doesn't sound like a, a, a fantastic bit of business for no, Celtic. No, they, they want to go in a different direction. I think they see they see Lee as you look at Kyogo. You know, he leads from the front. He go and press. He got that high press. He's got that great fitness levels about him. So does uh, Griffiths not fit in anymore? I don't think he fits the system um, in terms of that high press and, and, and the demands that Postecoglou puts on his players. I think it takes superb fitness levels. You know, Abada on the right-hand side, we saw Christie on the left, but obviously we believe he will move on. Um, you know, so in terms of his achievements, he's scored goals all his career. Uh, he'll continue to score goals. He's only 31 and I actually think you know it, it, it's it's a good thing for Lee. I don't think he was um, he was playing at Celtic and he was booed by a section of the crowd a couple of weeks ago. I think from a personal point of view, there can't be anything worse than being booed by your own supporters. I think that would have hurt him mentally. Um, so I think it's a good move for Lee, and I think he'll get goals next season at Dundee. 
Football is cruel, social media is cruel, um, and some of the feedback we've been getting about Lee Griffiths is cruel. Good riddance um, is the, the simple response from one and another uh, saying to us, uh, done what he could, but I think he comes with too much baggage. I, th- I think we would all hope for, for Lee Griffiths at the age of 31 that he can kick-start here in new football yeah. surroundings. First of all, it doesn't matter what we want or what we hope. He has to do it himself. He has to want it. He has to want it more than anyone else, Rob. There's no point in James McPake saying, I want you to do well. I'm desperate for you to do well. He's got to be desperate to do well. You can't give someone that. That's the challenge he has to take on board. He also has to hold his hands up and think, I've made errors over the years. I've made mistakes. I've made the wrong choices. I've done the wrong things. But you can't affect that anymore. Put that behind you if you possibly can. You can only influence and focus on what's ahead of you. And that is the big challenge. When people are sceptical and when there's critics out there, Rob, the only way to answer them is on the pitch. And Lee Griffith's best way to answer those critics and and, and people who are sceptical about him is by scoring goals. But he has to want to go out and do it. It isn't just going to happen because Lee because he's Lee Griffiths and he's going back to Dundee, he's got to really work at it. He's got to go in there and be an example and show people what he's all about, even his teammates, because if he comes in from Celtic and he's a little bit lazy in training or he's not doing the run or he's not doing the work, players will become frustrated with him. There's no doubt he's a natural finisher. He's a wonderful finisher. But this last three, four years, he's been deteriorating. His goals return has dropped. His game time has dropped. So he's now at a stage where he's at a major crossroads and he has to decide what he's going to do. Is he going to kick on or is he going to be the Lee Griffiths people remembered five, six years ago? James McPake has a personal relationship with him. He's got to try and work his magic with him, but Lee Griffiths has to be careful he doesn't take that too far. He's putting a lot of trust into him and the only way he'll answer is by scoring goals. And nobody, John, wants their career to fade away. Nobody no. wants to, oh yeah, he used to be a great finisher, didn't he? But he can't do it anymore because he's not fit enough. He's he's lost that real deep desire to play yeah. and to score goals because as Craig says, at his peak and uh, when he is moving and grooving, there are a few better at finishing. That's right, and James McPake, his, his old teammate, um, you know, has, has, has offered him an olive branch, hasn't he? He's said, look, come here, come and play your football, come and score goals for us. Hopefully you'll be happy. Everybody, when they're happy, they play better. You've got to be relaxed. There's no point being anxious all the time. Um, and the game's changed. Craig's will tell you, the game's changed now. He, you look at someone like Scott Brown, who's still playing at 35 and playing really well, fitness levels, He's looked after himself. He's adapted from 10, 12 years ago when he's first coming through. And and when you get beyond 30 as well, Rob, you, you've got to really knuckle down and, and 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 look at the sports science, how they can help you in any way. With myself, you know, I was always a little bit heavy in my shorts. I liked the pint. I enjoyed a bit of ex- a bit of a bit of food here and there, a bit extra. Martin really used to put me on the scales and he could find me if I was overweight, things like this. But back then, the sports science wasn't really around and it wasn't really focused on as much as it is today. Mm. Um, you have got to know you can't carry a pound today. You wear the heart monitors. You've got They actually video now, Rob, the training sessions and they measure how much work you've done in training. Everything, your work rate, your running back, your sprints, how much you walk. And I just think, Lee, when you're 24, 25, 26... You can play. You can you can play in that era because you're young. You can get about your energy levels. When you go past a certain age, you need to do that little bit more. Concentrate on your diet and the science. And you know, Lee, it's passed him by a little bit in terms of that side of the game. 
But he's 31, and hopefully, as I said, he can he can save his career by going and playing for Dundee. And I do believe you don't lose that knack of scoring goals. No. You know, I do think he will score goals. I might be wrong. I said at the start of the season he'll score 25 goals for Celtic if he's given the game time. Yeah. But if he hits double figures for Dundee and Dundee stay in the Scottish Premiership last season, that signing is gonna is gonna be the best thing that Dundee have ever done. It could make a massive difference to to Dundee's season, really, and, and what you expect they can achieve. Mm. Because when you look around outside of Rangers and Celtic, uh, who how many teams will have a striker who can get into say fifteen to twenty yeah. goals a season? Now, now Lee Griffiths is capable mm. if he gets the service at Dundee. That would make a massive difference to what they can do. Huge. And having watched Dundee in the early part of the season, the one thing they are is they're open and they're attacking. They want to go and win games. They're not a team who have come up and said, but you know what, we're going to sit in, we're going to grind this out, we're going to be horrible to play against and horrible to watch and hope to stay in the division. They're going to take risks. They're going to leave themselves exposed at the back. They're going to get players forward. They've got attacking players. They've got you know, people with good delivery from set plays. They've got pace. And Paul McMullen, Paul, uh, Paul McGowan's a hard-working midfield player. Charlie Adam, I think he went off at the weekend, but good range of passing. So there's going to be chances created for him. And I think that's probably what James McPake has lacked is a real finisher to complete the moves that they've been building. So you get Lee Griffiths into that and a fit Lee Griffiths because I've got to say I watched him a couple of weeks ago after they played Hearts in the Cup and he'd done some running after the game and I, I, I get it's the most demotivating thing you can do as a footballer sometimes is when the team have played and the game's over and you've got to go and run but he was miles behind the players he was running with. So he needs to get himself conditioned so he can go and play. Otherwise... Injuries pop up, fitness worries, and suddenly you can fall behind a little bit. So Penny has to drop, get himself fit. If he plays in that Dundee side and chances are created, the one thing you know is he'll score goals. Will James McPick change his shape? Will he play with two centre-forwards and allow him to be the foil off a, a bigger, more physical, more hard-working centre-forward so he picks up the scraps? That's what James has to find out. But if he can get enough good balls in the areas for Lee Griffiths, he will score goals. And you're right, Rob, that could be the difference between not battling for 10th and 11th but possibly pushing for top six. That manager-player relationship could be crucial, and it could be crucial as well for Odson Edouard. You would imagine that that's played some part in that move to Crystal Palace, where, of course, Patrick Vieira is the manager, and he will be very aware um, of, of his record-breaking goal-scoring for the French under-21s, Odson Edouard, even apart from what he's done in old firm games here, high-profile games, winning the number of trophies that he has done in his time at Celtic. You would imagine Patrick Vieira thinks he will be able to get Odson Edouard um, not just back to where he was at his height at Celtic, but moving up another level to score goals in the English Premier League. Absolutely, and I think you get a bit more time in the English Premier League, a bit more time on your touch. Sometimes the Scottish game, you get players closing you down, working off your first touch, you know, it's all a bit, you know, sometimes in your face and teams when you play for Celtic, they say, right, let's get right up against them. Patrick Vieira, French, you know, Edouard, he might, Vieira might be, you know, Edouard's, you know, all-time sort yeah. of icon. Yeah. But uh, he's a World Cup winner, Patrick Vieira, okay, he's never managed in the um, in the Premier League before. This is his first Premier League job. But he could be an inspiring figure for Absol Edouard. Absolutely, yeah. and I think there's no doubt I think Patrick Vieira would have been, you know, inf very influential in, in bringing Odson Edouard to Crystal Palace. It's his first job he wants goal scorers, and I, I think Edward will go down to the Premiership and light it up. I really do. I think he's got he's that good. Mm -hmm. He's a fantastic player, but I just think at Celtic in the last 13, 14 months, he's just looked as if he doesn't really want to be there. The fans don't like that. 
And that's why he's probably not going with glowing references from the Celtic fans. That's why people are saying, ah, get him, get him out the door, let him go, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. he's he's not been he doesn't look committed. Yeah. And that's the worst thing you can look when you go on a pitch. If you're not doing it, if you're not running around and you're not looking as if you're enjoying it and playing for the fans, which you should do, mm. then that's why they've been a little bit aggrieved with Edward but they all know what a special special talent he was and 14 million I mean I don't yeah. mean funny that yeah. is a I, that's why I'm surprised other clubs haven't thought 14 million that's you know from what you see they're paying in England yeah it's buttons that's buttons so why not pay the 14 million have a gamble see if it doesn't work you'll sell him on for 10 million you might lose 4 million however 23 years of age he has got his best years ahead of him. Absolutely. He hasn't true. shown it in the you last year. You look at Virgil year, van Dijk, Christ. He could really go again. You look at Virgil really van Dijk, could. left Celtic for what, 12.5 million? Mm -hmm. 15, 16. Yeah, for, for Southampton. Yeah. Two years later, he gets his best defender in the world, most expensive defender in the world, yeah. goes to Liverpool for 75. Yeah. So you're not saying Edward can't do the same. If Edward goes and bangs just, in, But if Edward goes and bangs in 20 goals a season for Crystal Palace, two seasons on the bounce, he's capable, by the way. Yeah. You know, if he goes and does that, next thing, what what his value goes through the I mean, he's not a novice. You know, he scored goals for the French on the 21 side. He's played in the Champions League. He's played Europa League. He's won titles. He's scored the winning goal that won the treble treble. He got double that day against Hart. So he's got pedigree. And he's a young man, maybe just needing a little bit of direction. Needing a new challenge, needing something fresh. But on the glimpses and the times we've watched him at Celtic when he's been at his best, Rob, he's been unplayable. So 14 million is an absolute steal. Ben Teke. Ben Teke went from Aston Villa to Liverpool for 35 million. Yeah. Ben Teke, the yeah. Belgium centre-forward. If Celtic knew now um, what they didn't know then, before the 10 in a row sold season... sold him. Absolutely yeah. sold. Neil yeah. Lennon has come out since yeah. when Neil Lennon has asked yeah. a question on somewhere and said... Uh, did he want to go? And he said, yes, he did. Yeah. And I think that tells us what this last year we've known all along. It wasn't public knowledge. It is now. He clearly wanted to go and he was so unhappy. The so the gamble get, failed? The gamble has failed because he didn't get 10 and they're probably not getting the right value they should have on a player as good as Odson Edward. Odson Edward on the way out at Celtic. Uh, the final touches uh, being put to that uh, transfer deal. Uh, 14 million with uh, potential add-ons as well as Edouard swaps Celtic in Scotland for Crystal Palace in the English Premier League. It seems as if Ryan Christie is on the way out as well. And we've just heard from Lee Griffith, who will spend the rest of this season on loan at Dundee. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Chris, and he will keep us up to date uh, right throughout the show um, about any potential problems for you getting anywhere in Glasgow and the West. This is Glasgow's own Go Radio. Uh, the football show on a Tuesday. Uh, we're talking football between now and seven. Feel free to join us on 0808 17 17 700. Uh, the transfer window is coming to a close over the next few hours. So we're talking about that. We're talking about a Scotland squad which has been maybe decimated. It's not quite the word, but it, it's not in great shape going into uh, tomorrow night's game. Uh, against the strongest team in the group. Denmark away from home. Stephen O'Donnell of Motherwell and Kevin Nisbet of Hibbs, the latest to be uh, dropping out of contention. It's only 16 
outfield players available now to Stevie Clark. It's going to be a fairly straightforward team selection, I think, for, for him tomorrow night. He's just going to be picking basically whoever's there. Uh, it's not ideal, is it? On the day that uh, Odson Edward appears to be completing his move from Celtic to Crystal Palace, around about £14 million is the figure that's been spoken about. It sounds also as if Georgios Giacoumakis is heading in the other direction, the Dutch-based Greek striker who scored 26 times in Eredivisie last season and it seems as if he is Celtic-bound. Lee Griffiths, we've been talking about him, hearing from him, uh, rejoining his old club Dundee. He's on loan there for the season. His Celtic days are over. It appears uh, Cedric Eaton of Rangers has been loaned out to Gruter Fort. That's uh, my best stab at it. Uh, a club in the German Bundesliga. Nathan Wood um, of Middlesbrough is joining Hibs on loan. Lots happening. Uh, St. Johnson have taken Ali Crawford on loan from Bolton, the former Hamilton player. Uh, how did he become 30? <laughs> That's what he is, apparently. Uh, he was a great little goal scorer playing off the front in his time with Ackies. He will be playing with St. Johnson. That could be a smart signing for them. Ross Kenty have signed Wickham striker Alex Samuel. Ollie Shaw has gone to Kilmarnock in the Championship. Motherwell have added defender uh, Solholm Johansson. Um, and I wanted to ask you two about Ryan Christie. Um, the noises are that he is going to be signing for Bournemouth in the Championship. John, could he have found a, a club in the Premier League? Is that a surprise that Ryan Christie... I, I know that Bournemouth could be Premier League bound in terms of promotion, um, but would you have expected him to have maybe found a Premier League team down towards the bottom end? Possibly, um, because there's a player in there. There's a terrific player in there in terms of his, his, his individual ability, talent. Um, but he's gotten to Bournemouth. I think they've been in the playoffs the last two seasons. Um since they went down, they got to a playoff final, I think, uh, last year, the year before. Uh, so they've come close to, to getting back up to the Premier League. Um, they'll be there or thereabouts again this year. You know, Scott Parker, Fulham last season, gone to uh, gone to manage Bournemouth. Um, I'm not surprised. I think it's, a, it, it's, um, it's an encouraging move. And it's a team that are trying to aspire to get into the Premier League. So he's not, he's not joined like a team in the Championship that'll be there for several years not quite good enough to reach the Premier League. So the focus for him and the focus for Scott Parker will be let's bring in good players to take us on that extra, that another yeah. level. I get, I get what Bournemouth see in Ryan Christie. Um, I'm just wondering about it from the other way around. He's going to notice a bit of a noise differential, isn't he, Craggs? He is, but I would imagine that his bank balance will be a lot better <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, so... Yeah, and who are we to stand here and you know blame Ryan Christie for leaving Celtic to go to Bournemouth for more money? We absolutely can't discuss it at all. From a footballing perspective, from the size of the club, from the expectations of the club, from the demands, the worldwide you know, kind of pull that Celtic have, Bournemouth don't get anywhere near that. But if Ryan Christie has ambitions of playing in the Premier League in England, this might be his only way into it. Going to somewhere like Bournemouth who are in the Championship, who will be looking to get up. So I think Scott Parker took Fulham up. They ended up getting relegated last season, unfortunately. He's got a good pedigree about him. I like the West teams play. He obviously believes Ryan Christie can fit into his style of play. So, you know, it, it, it's Ryan Christie's choice. That's what he wants to do. He wants to leave Celtic. He wants to seek a new challenge. He must be looking at others around him who have moved on and where the club's going and what well, he's, he's doing. He's very friendly with Stuart Armstrong, exactly. isn't he? And, and they're, they're going to be uh, South Coast uh, yeah. buddies. Um, so it's an opportunity yeah. and he will be well remunerated for it. 
And if that's what he wants to do, good luck to him and fair play to him. I just think he's a nice, he seems a nice genuine Oh, he's a boy. lovely guy. Lovely yeah. guy, smashing football. I've got lots of attributes. Uh, let's hope Celtic fans don't remember him, as well as Odson Edward and Lee Griffiths, for what's been on in the last year or so. It's been a tough year for everybody. Uh, but I think they've brought so much to Celtic. And Ryan Christie has brought good times to Celtic, but he's decided to I move think, on. I and think I th as well, Rob, I think as well that there's no doubt in my mind that Ryan Christie has been offered a new deal. Right? Do you think Celtic have tried hard to keep him? I do, I do, because the, 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 Ryan Christie and his representatives, they have let their contract run down, Ryan's contract, with a view to clubs coming in and maybe leaving on a free, because he would get extra money. Whatever. Mm. What's Ryan Christie worth in the market? Is he an £8 million player? Five, six, seven million, somewhere five, like that? If possibly. he's five yeah, million. Possibly. Well, if a club hasn't got to pay a fee for him, mm. it obviously they, they get he, a, he gets more out of it. They get a free agent, and then his wages mm. then you know double in terms of what they could initially pay him if they paid the five million for him. So people say, well, we don't know. I'm not in terms. I'm not at Celtic. I don't know if he's been offered a contract, but I can't for the life of me think they haven't tried to keep him. I think the Celtic fans would like to think that the club has tried really hard to keep him because you, you were talking about people's form tailing off. But actually, Ryan Christie's delivered one or two really top performances this, this season. season yeah. yeah, but last season, again, he was yeah. way off. Well, but yeah, the team but, but that was the, yeah, that was the whole the collective, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I have no doubt that the club have tried. I think they've tried everything. And in the end, he's probably been offered, as Craig said, so much money to go down south and play for Bournemouth. Um, sadly, couldn't quite near match that in terms of wages and bonuses and everything else. And that's why that's that's what you get when you let your contract run down. You you know you get you get weighed in by whoever wants to come and buy. I mean, you. has he given Celtic good service? I think he has. Yeah. For his what half a million pounds from Inverness, mm -hmm. he'd go to Aberdeen, oh, yeah. the earners' corn, he get more experience. Yeah. He burst on the scene when he got that goal in the League Cup semi final at, at uh, Murrayfield against Hearts. Mm -hmm. Bent one into the top corner. But he corner. has he has swapped the eleven thousand the vitality for. Yeah, you know, yeah. But you accept you that and you deal with it and you move on. You know, so yeah. he's given them good service. Is yeah. he a great? No, he's not. But I hope he's remembered for playing a major part in Celtic having a really successful period of 12 trophies out of 12. He's certainly involved in that, Robbie's at the heart of it. He was energetic. He scored goals. He set up goals. Yeah. You know, his energy in some games brought the team to life. But sometimes you just want to change as a player. You want to try something different. And he may look back in six months' time and think, do you know what? I had it good at Celtic. And mm. such a good thing there. But sometimes when you're in the moment, you think the grass is always greener. You want to try something new. You want to go to somewhere else. And he feels like it's the end of an era and he's moving on. Possibly. He just thinks there's so many players have left. And you said it, there's only three left or three or four who, who probably started mm. uh, the quadruple treble. So mm. he's thinking everyone else is moving on to something new. Maybe it's time for me to go and it's time for someone to come in and take my place and move on. Are Celtic going to bounce back this season after missing out on 10 in a row? Well, they lost the first Old Firm game of the season at Ibrox a couple of days ago. And looking at it from the Rangers side, Gary McAllister, uh, pretty happy with the performance. I thought today, looking at us, there was a snap, you know, which we always ask for. You know, in the little duels right throughout the pitch, we were we were there. We weren't closing down from two, three yards. And, and, and just... There was an energy, which obviously when you've got that amount of fans, you know, reacting like they did today, it does help. So, that, again, it's that's that's what we that's the sort of level of performance we want to win games. We want to keep clean sheets, you know. And if you can play well, that it makes it even better. John Gary McAllister thought there was a snap about Rangers. He clearly thought they were taking a a step back towards the the sort of levels they set for themselves last season. Did you see it that way? 
In the second half, I did. I, I saw a snap right from the 46th minute when Rangers came out for the second half. And I believe um, Stephen Gerrard obviously couldn't be at the game, their manager. Uh, he'd have been on somewhere, he'd have been on Zoom or Skype or whatever it is. He'd have been through and he'd have been telling the players the first half wasn't good enough. We've got to get closer. Um, we've got we've got to defend, you know, higher up the pitch, maybe we're a bit too deep. You know, when, when Kyogo gets in, he's come round the back, you know, and uh, and he's put a great ball across the goal. Should have been one down. Uh, they let Edward get across that near post. He must score. I think Gary McAllister's part of that. And he's been, they'd have been delighted. They'd have been delighted having been, I wouldn't say outplayed, but I thought Celtic were excellent in the first half. Outplayed is the wrong word. Mm. There wasn't a lot in the game, Rob. There wasn't an awful lot in the game. Celtic could have won it. As it happens, Rangers defended their lead exceptionally well. But in the second half, I think Gary's right. Rangers did come out and they had a, a different intent in terms of the way they were going to approach the second half. They got their goal and then it was difficult yeah. then to break them they, down. They took three or four steps further forward. Yeah, I felt as if in the first half at times they were dropping off or the front three were trying to press a little bit. Looking behind the midfield, were four or five yards behind. It's as if the message was... Everyone as a team, trigger is when someone steps forward, we're all going four or five yards further forward. Celtic weren't getting as much time in and around their 18-yard box. They weren't getting the full-backs and stepping forward. There was a slight tactical change as well, which I thought actually they may have started the game with Roof and Morales as two centre-forwards and Kent playing just off. Mm. You know, to use their physical prowess and back into Starfield and back into Stephen Welsh and posing problems physically. So I think that little change at half-time just worked into their favour and then they started to grow in the game Stephen Davis won a few tackles in midfield which he wasn't doing in the first half he was kind of caught in between you know they weren't free flowing all the time there wasn't the real rhythm they had last year but they showed a real experience of how to win an important game how to go and win a game against your biggest rivals and just remind them we're champions this is what we do it almost took me back Rob to watch and you used to watch old firm games years ago when Gorman, McCoyst and Goff and Stuart McCall when they weren't always the best team in the old firm, they didn't always play well, but they knew how to win. And it was a big moment that arrived for a big player and that's what won them the game on Sunday. You, you don't have to go back to their days, Craig. Just, Even go, you, just go back to last season. Yeah. yeah. And, how, and how, well, how well did Sadiq play at times yeah. last yeah. season? And, and they, they failed to score and McGregor kept tipping one around the post. Well, that was it. And then Rangers forced a corner or something. Oh, good yeah. player, they get in front and then they defend strongly. Yeah. Look at the defenders. There's three, Hollander, you know, Balogun, Goldson... Six foot fight. They're yeah. proper strong defenders. Yeah. And as we head for the news at six, um, that will be the worry for the Celtic fans. It's here we go again. Or is Ange Postacoglu going to turn things around and throw down a serious title challenge this season? The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. This, of course, is the home of breaking football news five to seven. Every evening we're on here uh, for the big games at the weekend as well. And the news for you Celtic fans right now is that the club have completed a 10th summer signing. And it is the Greek striker Georgios Jakumakis. Uh, he joins on a five-year deal subject to international clearance. We were talking about him earlier on in the show. 26 goals in the Dutch top flight last season uh, playing for a club who went down. This on the day, of course, John Hartson. Yeah. Um, the Odson Edouard is heading for Crystal Palace. He's completed his medical. Uh, that deal should be sorted uh, in the next little while. Ryan Christie seems to be on the way out as well. Uh, but the news there is Georgios Jakumakis is on the way in. 
Yeah, and I think it's another good signing. 26 goals in the Eredivisie uh, last season. He was the top goal scorer in the league, uh, albeit uh, his team went down. Uh, so, you know, he'll be delighted. He's, he's coming and playing for Celtic, a five-year contract. And what that tells me is Robbie's a goal scorer. Yeah. You know, he scores goals. And, you know, we've got a Kyogo. We've lost two strikers who've scored a lot of goals for Celtic over the years. Just underestimate the goals that Griffiths and Edward have scored. But it's a different era. You know, it's a new era under Postecoglou. And I'm delighted, personally delighted now that there's been two strikers out and two strikers in. That's the way you do business. Otson Edward has done his time at Celtic. 88 goals uh, for the club. He has been uh, sensational at times for them. Not so in the last little while. He's heading to kickstart his career uh, with his fellow Frenchman, Patrick Vieira, at Crystal Palace. And uh, this will be a big opportunity for a hungry striker, uh, which you would imagine uh, Georgios Giacomakis is, to make a big mark, a big impression, Crags at Celtic. Well, you know, you, how you judge a player without really having watched him play is you look at his history of scoring goals and the you know, credentials that he has and he ticks all the boxes. He's 26 years of age. I think it's a big step up in level for him. Not, you know, particularly with expectation that comes with being a Celtic player. Uh, and anybody who signs for Celtic, kind of from a smaller club, they look at the stadium, they look at the fan base, the passion. All the Celtic fans want you to do is come in, commit yourself to the club. If you're a goal scorer, go and get your goals, do your job and do it properly. You know, what some people forget sometimes is when they join a football club, you're carrying out the dream of every single supporter who's sitting in those stands. So go and do yourself justice. He scores goals. I think he scored three cup goals last year as well. So with, what, 29 goals in 33 games last year is a phenomenal return. So once you become a natural goal scorer, once you are a natural goal scorer, it doesn't desert you. So no matter what level you go to, even if you, your build-up play is not good or your link-up play, if you have that natural goal scoring instinct, then you will get goals. And the one thing Celtic have certainly shown this season under Ange Postacoglu, they are going to be creative, they're going to score goals. Yeah. So if that's his main strength, he is in for certainly a, a productive period at Celtic. It'll be interesting to, for me in terms of, um, I've not seen a lot of um, Jakub Makas, um, but what type of player he is. Mm. Because Kyogo, seven goals in six games. We know he likes to play through the middle. We, we've seen him once or twice out on the left. He scored from out on the left, by the way, and he made a great chance for Edouard mm -hmm. at the weekend, starting out on the left-hand side. But I feel he's a lot more comfortable. He's a lot more comfortable through the middle. He's shown that with his movement and his timing of his runs. You also look at you know his work rate, John. Yeah. You know he can't play sixty games a season at that energy no and chance. that level. And then he's going to play yeah. internationals. You know, at some stage, you've got to Spot rotate. On. And it's yeah. the one thing about Ange since he came in, he's almost stuck to the same eight, nine players. I don't think he changes it. He likes 4-3-3, doesn't yeah. he? He's every single game, even the friendly games at the start of the season. I think he played five, three centre-halves once. I think in, in one pre-season, he tried it with Uri, Uri Hoggy, the boy from Sheffield yeah. Wednesday, Uri, the right-back, yeah. played him, played him centre-half. But I'd be interested to see what type of player this Greek yeah. centre forward is, you know, whether he's big, whether he can peel away, whether he can play two up, or whether it's mm. still going to be Kyogo. Is he going to play in behind where he's got options now with, yeah. with Turnbull, you know, and just playing off the front? So be really interesting how, how we this um, Joker Marcus, um actually fits and yeah. how and she's him fitting into this system, you know, that, that he's got working perfectly. Well, based well. on what Ange has signed already, 
you think people would be encouraged that he knows what he wants yeah. he knows what he's looking for and he wants options as well yeah, doesn't so, he he wants well, he that interchangeability he up needs front. it he needs to rotate Rob you're going to play Thursday Sunday Thursday Sunday you think to the second half Celtic at times you know a tough game of Thursday night in, in Alkmaar you know, it must have been a little bit leggy because it's been non-stop since they started the season and they haven't rotated enough a lot. That's what I'm saying. He's stuck with eight or nine players' core and he's changed one or two here and there. So a lot of the players have done the legwork and he said that about Tony Ralston as well. That's why he brought Juranovic. Uh, Juranovic. He said he can't keep doing through the mileage and the distance that he's doing. He needs to take an out a little while. Kyogo's the same. So when you take a player out, you bring one in to replace him, you want the same level of commitment and energy and fitness and quality. And that's why you have to have strength and depth. Does Albion a Yeti have a future at Celtic, John? Can he be? Will he be back up, or is he probably well, well paid, expensive, and maybe expendable? And, and Celtic will try and move him on. Well, I think the fact that Ange has not played him from the start, you know, he's brought him on a couple of times. He keep he is he is um, keeping the bench warm. He's sitting on the mm. bench most weeks, and he's come on for. 10 minutes here towards the end of the game, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, for me, I don't know the lad, you know, I don't know what he trains like. Um, he, he doesn't link well enough, in, in my opinion. I've not seen him really linking up that well. I don't think his, his touch has come off him once or twice. He's not prolific. I know he's not played a lot. And when you're not, when you don't play that much, it's very difficult to get a run and to say, right, like Kyogo, I've got seven goals in six games. You know, he's not had that, he hasn't had the fortune to do mm. that this season under Ange. So he's coming off the bench all the time. So he's he's cold, you know, and he's trying to prove a point. He's over trying and things yeah. like this. Well, I saw him in a pre season friendly against Preston at Celtic Park, and he certainly wasn't over trying that day because well, yeah, well, he, got, go. he, got, he got no great supply, but he just didn't really go looking for it. And then he no. eventually got hooked after 75 so minutes, having, me, having done nothing. You're asking me, has he got a long term future? I don't know. At at a certain time, Celtic will try and maybe try and recoup some of the money they paid for him to West Ham. But again, you know, we could talk about Jack Hendry. You know who mm. who makes a decision to to. I know I know one or two can't slip the net in terms of players. But, but that's that's bad business, isn't it? Barkers, you would have to think. You look at Barker's five million. Yeah. Who's making these calls? You know, yeah. a Yeti five million, and I know you can make mistakes. Sometimes mm. you you can. Uh, but, but I think the, the Jack the Jack Henry one screams out, doesn't it? Because oh. Celtic for so long have been short of top quality mm. centre backs, and he has turned into one. Yeah. Well, they quite clearly didn't want him, and they thought by getting one and a half million pounds for him was a great deal. Mm. That's what they thought at the time because they let him go; otherwise, they wouldn't do it. And they ins- the clause was inserted, and they said, "Yeah, yeah. sure." J- just just to reiterate, he was loaned he was loaned out to yeah. Ostend, the Belgian club in the Belgian top division. Um, with the option, I mean, I always thought that Celtic would have the first option on him well, at the end of the season. But what what Ostend got was the first option to, if they wanted to sign him for one point five million, they could, they did, and they're now, and they're they're now poised to sell him on for six. Well, that's what I'm saying. So they obviously didn't fancy Jack Kendry. They thought to themselves, if we can get one and a half million pounds for him, or someone's willing to pay that, then we think we've got a good deal. Which is what they paid for him to get off Dundee. I think they paid a million and a half pounds. So they're thinking we can recoup that money then we're delighted by that. But that experience will stay with them because what they will say in future, if any player goes out, we will decide whether you, you know, yes, the 1.5 million is inserted in the clause, sorry, the contract, but we decide whether you take yeah. it up or whether you don't. Yeah. Because suddenly now they've got their fingers burned, they're going to lose out in potential four and a half million pounds. But ultimately before he left, if you'd said to Celtic, you know, could you see him being a six million pound player in a, in a year's time, they'd have said no chance. 
No, because he hadn't really shown enough at that time at Celtic to warrant having that kind of figure put in. That's the why you know that's why they've done it. But I would imagine even in future if they have another player like that, they'll think, well, even if we don't think he can get to that level, we're still going to have the power on our side. So it's all a learning experience, but it's an expensive one at that. There's the financial loss aspect of it, but there's also the the one that if Jack Henry walked into Celtic Park today, you would play. You you. You know, you wouldn't just be, yeah. you wouldn't just re-sign him. You you would actually put him straight in the team you because would. because he would be the best centre back that you've got, wouldn't he? Yeah, well, he would, he would alongside, um, you know, alongside Welsh, who's um, who's a developing a, talent, absolutely. Um, so he's one that got away, isn't he? For all the good signings that you make, and you make money on good signings, and there's always one or two that get away. So it's a case of what you do. Do you go in and play havoc with the uh, with the recruitment people or do you say look by the way let's not talk about Jack Hendry who we've lost money on he might come back and say well hold on a minute I told Brendan to go buy Dembele who we made a £19 million uh, money on a profit on so for the ones that but he is certainly for me one who got away Jack Hendry and fair play to the boy as well. Fair play to the lad. He's mm. gone over to Ostend. He's got himself in the national team now on a regular yeah. basis. He's been on the show, Johnny, and speaks yeah. really well. Yeah. And and he, you know, he was telling us how much he's developed as a person and as a player. Uh, and and obviously in his time with Ostend, what he's done, he's put himself in front of some bigger clubs. Yeah. They've had a look at him close hand and said, "We'll have a bit of that well, once once you've done the deal with Celtic." He stepped out of his comfort zone. Mm. And, you know, I think it's important that you test yourself at different levels. You work with different coaches. When you go to a different country, different way of thinking. Mm. You know, how they warm up, how they train. You know, the, the video analysis. All this stuff plays different a part. Culture. Yeah, different and culture. And how managers want to play games a bit slower, not as physical as what it is. So you learn all the time. And Jack Henry was always a ball-playing centre-half. Maybe at times it felt like he took too many touches and he got himself in, in trouble. People put him under pressure. In Ostend, he probably gets a bit more time in the ball, Rob. He can step in and he can play his game and that's what's attractive to him. So, absolutely, John's right. Credit to him for stepping out of his comfort zone, but he had to go and deliver. And he did. And, I'm, you know, we spoke earlier about Lee Griffiths answering your critics and people like a sceptical of you. People were like that with Jack Hendry. Mm. And he thought, do you know what? I'm going to go somewhere I'm going to prove that I can play. And he's proved himself and it looks like he's on the verge of a great move. So, per, uh, fair play to him. It does... This this little conversation, what's happening in the back of my head is, is the fact that Celtic still don't have a head of recruitment, do they? They they don't have a director of football. They, you know, what's happened recently? The the little mini revival mm. under Ange, winning games, scoring goals. Celtic fans getting excited and exhilarated about the quality of football that, that they've been produced. That all camouflages the fact that I'm pretty sure there are no changes in the in the back room in the hierarchy. But did they ever announce we are looking for a director of football? I always felt that was hearsay or that was just assumed that Celtic were going to go down that route. At no stage did they say, we're on the lookout for a director of football. We want to bring someone in to do this role. You know, I wasn't sure if that was something that was just linked with Eddie Howe, that when he came in, he wanted to bring mm. someone with him. And that was the role that was going to be created to suit Eddie Howe. But they need a head of recruitment. Well, it, you, well, well, knows, well what Ange Postecoglou will say, look at the players I've brought in. Strachan looking at players. You know, but he's only there for three months. Well, so they've, well, they only need him for the next... They only needed him for the last three weeks well, because it's only yeah. this time you've been able to bring players in. Yeah. So what I'm saying is they must have a video analysis. Oh, the, yeah. That. So what, what, what Celtic, team. Celtic will be one of the team. biggest sort of um, clubs and the busiest in terms of agents sending videos in, sending uh, Wikipedias in, sending CVs in with players that agents are trying to get up to Scotland, in particular Celtic. So there's got to be someone there 
going over them DVDs. How have they got hold of this Jack Amakis? I, from the, the, yeah, I mean, I, I know he scored a lot of goals last year yeah. and he's proven, mm. but there'll be several that won't be. And Celtic will have to have need somebody. Yeah. And I think I know I know Ange wants to. He said that he wants to be the one who decides. That's absolutely fine. Mm. There's got to be somebody in the background but, yeah. introducing a team players to him. Recruitment is a full-time yeah. job. Well, Peter, Peter Houston's involved. Yeah. Former Falkirk manager. Right. I know certainly yeah. Peter's involved in it. Right. You know, he doesn't make the decisions, but he puts players forward or he's told to go and watch a player or a player's flagged up. The Celtic fans don't need to know, don't they? They, yeah. they want to know that all these big figures in the background having disappeared or been got rid of or whatever and all these vacancies mm. that are apparently oh, yeah. in the in the in the management setup yeah. um you know who is because I know Andrew's spoken about playing a massive part in the recruitment process and, and that's fairly well, he's obvious. He's doing okay so far. I think yeah. that's the yeah, key. He's doing, very he's well, doing okay at the minute. The thing is as well though Craig's and Rob is that if they did have people in the background which they have I would imagine I know Andrew will make final say final calls but he can come in late doors, make a decision with you know with with his uh, knowledge. But I also believe that would take a bit of pressure off him if he had people working mm. on on the recruitment side, because then he could concentrate more actively on the training ground. With He's got enough to do, hasn't like he? Like he likes to do. He says he likes mm. to coach. He likes to be on the grass. He's not one of these managers that stays away and then you know gets feedback from his coaches. He likes to be there. That'll be the next step, you'd imagine. You know, yeah. once he gets this window out of the way, he knew it was a busy period. He probably said, I want to engross myself in this. I want to be in charge of this. I'll drive this. Give me the players. I'll make a decision. We'll get through this. Once we get this window shut, well, until their next game, they've got 10 days. So you'd imagine conversations will take place over the next week or so, 10 days, to see what the process is because they now need to start planning for the next window. Yeah. If they haven't planned for it already, they probably need to start planning for summer. So yeah. they will need a head of recruitment in place. You'd imagine that will be Ange's next job. It, stri it strikes me. It strikes me that the Rangers today, tonight, is a big story, isn't it? It's along the lines of uh, Harry Kane doesn't leave Tottenham. <laughs> that story. Yeah. That story we spoke about for so long yeah. and actually never happened. We've spoken about Rangers again and again and again about who would be the the high profile departures. Cedric Eaton's gone on loan to to Germany. There's there's there are rumours about Nikola Katic, and that's about that's it. it. The, 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 there was speculation as to whether Borna Barisic was doing a farewell yeah. on Sunday. Uh, as, of, as of as of as of now, it was but, yeah. And, but, he and was saying bye bye. And as of he now, the deal's broken yeah. down. Yeah. And as of now, nothing well, nothing's happened. It's basically a decision of it's all in or all out. And I think they thought we're all in. We're going to stay with what we are. We're going to put all our eggs to say we're going to push for the title this year, which they're going to do anyway. But rather than weaken down it and trampling what they're saying, no, no, this squad we think is going to be enough to go and win the title and we'll deal with that in January or we'll deal with it come the summertime. They're just knocking it back a few months because you look at their main players of Morelos and Kamara and Aribo, they've all got two years left in their contract. Nathan Patterson's still got three. So they've still got a bit of wriggle room left, Rob. You know, it doesn't have to happen now with players running down the last year of the contract. It's got to be January or at worst case scenario, it's got to be the summer. If they get Champions League money and sell two players next year, I think that covers it up. Stephen Craig and John Hartson, Rob McLean, Talking Football. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. It's all happening on uh, Transfer Deadline Day. It all ends tonight. Uh, 11 o'clock down south, 12 o'clock up here. Um, and here, here's a story. Uh, Kylian Mbappe's transfer uh, from PSG to Real Madrid is, we are told, totally off. Uh, Real were willing 
to pay 220 million euros today to get the job done. Uh, PSG have stalled on it, they didn't get back, and apparently Real Madrid have walked away. Uh, so it seems that Real will sign the player on a pre-contract agreement mm. in January for well for 220 million short of 220 yeah. million. Well, what's 220 million when you're already a billion in debt, which I think is roughly yeah. what Real Madrid are in. Listen, if you're in up to your knees, Rob, you may as well just keep going. It's incredible to think that you know the finances of the, of the Spanish clubs, who were the drivers of the Super League. Barcelona and yeah. Real Madrid because they, because they <laughs> needed desperately the money to try and take down their debt. So suppose they're going to try, well, it looks as if they were trying to do it by signing big players and, and win their way out of it. But that's an incredible figure. But PSG simply have thought they don't need the money. They would rather have the player and they think they can achieve incredible things this season. So the Champions League will certainly be interesting. We told you off the back of the news at six that Georgios Giacomakis is a Celtic player, the Greek striker who was a top scorer in the Netherlands' top flight last season with a total of 26 for a club that were relegated. Uh, he is uh, in the door at Celtic on the day that it seems Odson Edouard has moved out uh, the latest in a long line of Celtic players who were mainstays of that quadruple treble uh, parting company with the club. He is going to be a Crystal Palace player, it seems. The medical has been done. Um, £14 million pounds and upwards uh, is the estimate on how much that deal is worth. He was in his last, uh, the last year of his contract, of course, with uh, Celtic. Lee Griffiths is going to be playing on loan with Dundee this season. So that's a lot of goals out the door, isn't it, when you think about it? And Ryan Christie, uh, it seems, is uh, thinking over a move to uh, Bournemouth. Uh, who will be looking to get back to the Premier League from the Championship. Um, and just those three players alone, it's just Think about it, John. That's a lot of goals that, that you it have is. to replace, isn't it? It is a lot of goals. But listen, we've got faith in Kyogo, uh, the, the Japanese striker. He started off exceptionally well. Um, uh, Giacomacus, we don't know an awful lot about, other than his goal record last season was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, you know, we got the likes of Christie having left. He needs to be replaced because he, he slots in nicely on that left-hand side. And there was one season he got 20, wasn't there? Yeah. And he might not, obviously, get, get them in this window, but I think there's more work to do. But up to now, I think the Celtic fans have been absolutely delighted with Ange. The club have obviously backed what he wants to do. They brought, they brought players in. Um, but it might just take another window to actually get, you know, the team exactly where... He wants to be with with more signings, and sometimes he might. Who knows? He might have had another three or four that he couldn't quite bring in, particularly in this window. And so I believe that he needs more, and he will have more. I want to talk Scotland uh, for a little while now because Stephen O'Donnell and Kevin Nisbet have joined the long list of absentees for Scotland's uh, World Cup qualifier in Denmark tomorrow night. The Motherwell skipper O'Donnell unable to travel due to um, the effect of, um, the extent, I should say, of Denmark's COVID restrictions. And uh, Kevin Nisbet uh, picked up a knock in training. That's why he won't be part of it. Both expected to be available for Saturday's home game against uh, Moldova or Moldova, depending what you prefer. John McGinn and Nathan Patterson miss out for COVID-related reasons. Uh, John McGinn revealed at the weekend he'd tested positive uh, for the virus without any symptoms and he's feeling fine. Uh, Rangers right back Patterson self-isolating after being identified 
as a close contact. Again, both should be uh, back for the weekend. James Forrest and Greg Taylor of Celtic injured and out in addition to Man United midfielder Scott McTominay and Southampton's Stuart Armstrong. Um, so a fair bit of disruption on a big week for Stevie Clark. I think we all understand the, the magnitude of the week. The, the three games, three big games for us. We need to get points. We want to be involved in this qualifying campaign right to the last game against Denmark at home. So we, we need good results this week. We need good points. And hopefully, well, I think we've got the squad to do that. Yeah, need good results. But what about the disruption? Probably two years into my international career, it's probably been the most disruptive uh, camp as we as we head into it with, in terms of call-offs, which is disappointing. But like I said before, I think I've got enough in the in the current group to, to go to Denmark and hopefully get the result that we all want. Craigs, that was already going to be a massively Ooh, tough yeah. test um, against Denmark, uh, much the more so, uh, you would imagine, uh, with the absence of the likes of McGinn, McTominay, Armstrong, uh, and no right back. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, that's going to be the that's going to be the tough decision. You just wonder will he play Jack Henry out there as a wing back? You know, we said earlier, Rand Fraser could possibly play as a wing back. I can imagine Steve Clark being, you know, that you think of his Kilmarnock sides at times, Rob, being really compact and resolute, and, and narrow and being difficult to play against. That's what Scotland will have to be uh, tomorrow night. That's the way they will go. I don't think they've got enough there to go and really go after Denmark. He hasn't had a lot of time with them, albeit you know they were together in the Euros. But he hasn't had a lot of training time with players. Some played on Sunday, especially the guys from the old firm. Uh, Jack Henry hasn't even met them yet. He doesn't meet. He's meeting them in Denmark. Mm. So real disruption. But you know, Steve Clark is fine. He understands the role of the job. But he will. You know, Scotland will have to just be defensive, be hard to play against. If they could get out of there tomorrow night with a point, they'd be absolutely delighted. But you're meeting a Denmark side who are absolutely flying in the back of the Euros. They've got some good players, Dolberg and Braithwaite and, and, and Damsgaard after Christian Eriksen, you know, couldn't play due to obvious reasons. They've got a really good side. They'll be vibrant. First time back after the Euros, back in home soil, they will want to put on a show. So I, I, I fear a long night for, for Scotland. Here's Stevie Clark talking about uh, Denmark and, uh, well, trying to put the accent on the positive. The good news is we had about four weeks together in the summer. So all that should be pretty fresh in their minds. So just a case of... Showing them some bits and pieces on the video, uh, strengths and weaknesses of Denmark, trying to slot our system in against their system and, and, and work out what we can do to get a result in the game. It's maybe not a game, John, that, that, that is going to define this qualification qualification campaign for Scotland, but we're already chasing it a little bit, having you know won one and drawn two of our first three qualifiers. That immediately puts you under a bit of pressure. Yeah, you got a feel. You really got a feel for Steve Clark. You know, um, he started the, the World Cup qualification uh, campaign not too bad, um, and this is probably the toughest game they'll they'll face going to Copenhagen. And sometimes when maybe Denmark might just run away with a group. You know, they mm. beat Wales four 0 absolutely thumped Wales in the Euros. They look a really well oiled sort of team, um, very well organised. Uh, that it's a tough game, and if you are going to lose a game, you want to you want to lose against the the favourites mm. to win the group away from home. They've still got to come to Hampden Park as well. Yeah. 
But you do have to feel for him because it, with some of the players that he's missing as well, you know, some some stalwarts, wasn't there really? Stephen O'Donnell did okay in the yeah. Euros for him. Yeah. In a couple of games, John McGinn, Scott McTominay gives him the option. He can play centre-half, he can play in midfield. These these are all guys who would be in his first choice. Absolutely. That's, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. really lose players, fringe players, but but you've lost some senior senior players there that, that make a big impact for when they play for the national Listen, team. they're playing for second, aren't they, really? When you look at Israel, you look at Austria. Mm. So... Even if you lose tomorrow night, you want Denmark to win every single game. You want them to get as maximum points in every single game. You don't want to get then, doing though, do no, you? No, you don't. But then it goes head to head against the rest. You know, they have to beat Moldova at home, no doubt about it, at the weekend. Have to go to Austria and win possibly if they, if they don't get anything tomorrow night. So the challenge is there for them. But th these three games will define where they're going to be and at what stage they're at in the World Cup campaign. It could either be alive and kicking because they've had good results or it could be over Rob after... Uh, Saturday's game if they don't pick up don't against don't upset me. no but, but that, that's yeah, no. you know because there's you know such a competitive group they're in yeah. and when you're missing good players who would affect your team you have to try and piece things together it'll just be interesting to see what dynamic he goes in midfield Callum McGregor's you know captain of Celtic been doing well Billy Gilmer will play mm -hmm. you'd imagine the third place is between David Turnbull and Kenny McLean Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the challenge of a third midfield player. You do have Ryan Christie in there. He might play one further forward. Lewis Ferguson's in for the first time. So there's not a huge selection dilemma, but he's got to try and get it right. Yep, he likes a back three, of course, does Stevie Clark. And, and he was asked at the media conference about uh, the potential of veering away from that system. I think the system suits us. I think it's worked well for us. Uh, I get that people outside always want to change and bring in new faces and, and bring in new players and, and try different systems, but... We feel, and probably we're the most important people, the people within the camp, we feel that we've, we've got a system that works well for us. Uh, the players are comfortable with it. and It's got its, a modicum of success, if you like, be, be qualifying for the first tournament in such a long time. So is there a need to change it at this moment in time? I don't think so. So I'm just looking at the goalkeepers. Uh, Clark and Kelly, of course, were called up. You but play two. But it, <laughs> well, or, or even three, to be honest. Uh, but Craig Gordon uh, will be the number one choice. And the great thing about him is uh, he's on the on top form because he had a, a string of great saves against Dundee United at Tannadice at the weekend. So Craig Gordon's going to be in goals. In terms of defenders, we've got Liam Cooper of Leeds, Declan Gallagher, uh, Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry. We've spoken plenty about him on the show. Uh, Scott McKenna. Um, and the, the 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 dynamic duo Andy Robertson, who thankfully is back playing for Liverpool, uh, and Kieran Tierney as well. Um, so in terms of let, let's piece together a, a back line for mm. Scotland. Um, we're going to have uh, Robertson at left. If we're working from left to right, yeah. Robertson left wing back, Tierney, Tierney left of the three. I uh, think Liam Cooper, Grant Hanley, Jack Henry. That's Jack Henry at right wing back. That's yeah. what I yeah. think you have yeah. to. To do the one thing I will say is the parking stadium is absolutely the pitch dimensions huge, really wide and really long. I played back there in Northern Ireland probably 2006 2007. It is huge. So, if you're going to be a wing back for Scotland, you're going to cover a lot, a lot of distance. Yeah. I don't imagine the wing backs will be overly ambitious. Andy Robertson may be more ambitious than what the right one will be. But Ryan Fraser's the only other one. Could yes. you play him at right wing back? Yeah. Is that well, well, you could, but, could. but not in this game, no, surely. That would be too open. If you're going to play three centre-halves, Quags, with, with wing-backs, that allows you to play two up top. It and does. Then, and then you've got, well, you you've need got, to carry you've got, a threat. You've got Jay Adams and you've got Lyndon Dykes, yeah. you know, two good centre-forwards. Yeah, and there's, there's no Kevin Nisbet now, so there's actually probably right. no decision, is no, there? Not. It's, it's going to be it's going to be those two. Remember they went to Wembley and it worked. They played really well. And they did Billy Gilmer in midfield. They did Callum McGregor. 
That's why I think tomorrow night, I keep going on with David Turnbull, but it's a game where you need people to take the ball. Because when you win possession, you might be close to your own goal. You might not get a lot of possession. You've got to make sure you it, it sticks and you're able to make your passes. Billy Gilmer and David Gilmer, uh, sorry, David Turnbull, and Callum McGregor, three smashing footballers. Albeit Kenny McLean, of course, has played for Norwich, also played on Saturday. Good players. But you need people to get hold of the ball. Do you think you need someone to have a shot? He, he didn't well, that's fancy well. him in the Euros, did well, he? Uh, you know, I think long ago, was I it think he's Euros? only got what, four or five choices in midfield, John. So if David Turnbull's not going to get in and get he's a game now, how, how, did, how did he, season. I didn't see the whole game Sunday, how did he play Sunday? Game uh, passed him by, really. He didn't have his best game. He didn't have his he best game. But, but he's been in really good yeah. form for Celtic. The thing is, David's learning also because he's not used to playing Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday in European football. That's another stage for him, you know, trying to trying to make sure he can recover and play and play yeah. and recover and make sure he, he's the, had his the best. One thing, challenge tough. The one thing he didn't do on the weekend was he didn't impose himself on the game. He'd be disappointed with that because in recent weeks he's been Celtic's go-to man in terms of having a goal threat from midfield. Um, and he never quite got in forward positions enough, you know, to get them shots away and create that little bit of space that he's, that he's brilliant at. He's a goal-scoring midfield player. This is how he wants to be remembered. And this is why he got his big move to Celtic from Motherwell. Early season form, he's been outstanding. But at the weekend against the strong Rangers... He wasn't quite at his level, you know, and he can only, he can only answer that himself. So you might get a free kick in the edge of the box. You might get a midfield player having one shot from 20 yards. You may score the winning goal from a set play. You know, you yeah. have to piece your team together and think, who can bring us something yeah. a little bit different that might win us the game. You could come off the bench and do it, but you'd like to think he would play some part tomorrow night. That yeah. team looks all right though, doesn't it? Yeah, but uh, but if you're trying to get inside the head of Stevie Clark, I think you're, he's probably going to err on the side of Kenny McLean, who's got more experience. Yeah. You know, Possibly. he's played more often. Possibly. You know, he's, he's not been a starter for him, but he's come on in quite a lot of games. He's featured in a lot of games. Mm. I think I'd I'd probably err on the side of David Turnbull for for the reasons you're you're giving there. But maybe that club link up as well with Billy Gilmore, as you say, the two of them at Norwich together in the midfield alongside Callum McGregor. So we're talking Craig Gordon and goals. Jack Hendry and Andy Robertson are the wing-backs. Uh, Hanley, Cooper and Tierney, Tierney, Tierney is, yeah. the, is the central back I three. Think so. Then McGregor, we're talking Gilmore, McGregor, Gilmore, Turnbull, plus one. Turnbull yeah. or McLean. Yeah. And then the front two Chair of... Linden Dykes. Of, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or you could play Ryan Fraser off a of Dykes or an Adams. I think they'll go the two big ones. I think it worked at Wembley. They carried a threat, got them up the pitch, had an energy about them. They linked up well together. Mm. And I think but, he probably regretted not playing a front two in the first game well, against the Czech Republic. That, that probably that lives one. on in his head as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he got it wrong. I said at the show last week that I think he had to risk Tini. I think if Tini was fit to play three days later than when they actually did play him, when he left him out. Um, and again, it was against the Czech Republic, who for me were the weakest of England and Croatia. Yeah. And Croatia. But there we go. Listen, who am I to tell Steve Clark what to do? He is talking uh, about what COVID uh, has done to his squad and what it's uh, the impact it's having just about everywhere else. Listen, COVID's been with us for a, for a, for a, for a long time now, it seems like forever. Uh, it just is what it is. We deal with it. I'm sure other nations are, are having similar problems. Uh, we won't be seeing it because it'll be a big issue in their country and not our country. But we'll just, we'll just deal with whatever it throws at us and we'll get a team on the pitch that'll be very competitive for the country. 
Anyway, Stevie, we've helped you out. We've picked your team for you tomorrow night. Uh, we will send that on to you after the show, just on the off chance you weren't listening. And uh, hopefully Scotland gets something in Denmark tomorrow night. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. It's Tuesday's Go Radio Football Show with Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Craig. And we've been talking Scotland, of course, in the last little while. Um, and that match tomorrow night in Denmark is going to be tough, but at least we've picked Stevie Clark a team. Um, and it sounds a pretty good team as well, but there's not too much strength in depth with only 16 outfield players there uh, for a match against the, the top seeds in the group. And of course, uh, we will continue our build-up towards that game on uh, tomorrow night's show, Glasgow's own Go Radio football show between five and seven. Today, Celtic have signed, just in case you've joined us in the last little while, we did break the story on the back of the news at six. Um, that Giorgio's Giacomacchus is a Celtic player, top scorer in the Netherlands uh, last season, top flight. Uh, he comes in as Odson Edouard leaves in the opposite direction, heading for Crystal Palace. That deal still to be uh, completed um, but it does look as if that is going through for about £14 million pounds or upwards. Um, Ryan Christie for Bournemouth is still a pretty strong rumour. they looking to get out of the Championship and back into the, the Premier League, and one that's definitely happened is the loan deal which has taken uh, Lee Griffiths of Celtic to Dundee. Uh, out on loan has gone Cedric Eaton at Rangers, uh, but that really so far has been just about it, and uh, certainly no significant uh, departures from Rangers. On the back of their 1-0 win against Celtic on uh, Sunday, it's uh, a rare show where we don't hear from uh, Ansh Postacoglu. Uh, so let's hear what uh, he thought um, on the back of the game on Sunday and the importance of the first goal. First goal makes a difference. So, um, you know, if we had a score that, then, then you know, I think it changes the complexion of the game, puts them under a little bit more pressure. Um, so, you know, they're the big moments, but it didn't work out for us today. But um, as I said, it's disappointing that in a tight game where, you know, we could have taken a foothold in it, we didn't. Because he would have thought, Craggs, if Celtic could have got the first goal, if Odson Edouard had taken that, that big mm. chance, what reaction would Rangers have had to that because of the, the shaky spell they've mm. had? I would imagine that would have been part of the build-up to the game. If we can get the first goal in this game, we can grab hold of it. We'll really see what they're all about. So when the big moment comes along, and you know we're talking about uh, a player who's going to move for 14 or 15 million pounds, probably worth a lot more. But that tells me he wasn't in the right frame of mind. You know, he hasn't been for the last little while. He's probably known this move is coming up. Things are on his mind. He hasn't been at his sharpest. He hasn't been at his most clinical in front of goal. I mean, that's a simple goal for Odson Edward to come in. The player, his quality. Ball comes in, open your foot up, side foot it into the net. How often have we seen, you know, him just putting, you know, effortlessly putting the ball into the back of the net? So that tells me he wasn't in the right place at the right moment in such a huge game. Because if Selig get the goal at that stage suddenly Rangers take a, another step back Celtic dominate even more but you know it's all what could have happened what might have happened they didn't take their chances when they came along big players delivering the big moments Odson Edward has been a big player and has delivered many big moments for Celtic but that would have been the ideal one for this new group of players moving forward but Rangers took theirs when it came along 
Overreaction is usually guaranteed when it comes to the, the old firm fixture in terms of significance for Rangers, significance for Celtic. But this was the message afterwards from the captain, the Celtic captain, uh, Callum McGregor, talking about that subject and uh, pretty much underlining the anthem in Ange, we trust. You know, when you when you lose these fixtures, there's always a you know there's always a panic button moment, and you know everyone jumps on it. Um, but like I said, six weeks ago to where we are now, you know, there's been a lot of progression, and we we can't lose focus. We let everyone else do the talking. You know, they can they can hype it up as much as they want, but you know, the only way we are going to get better and progress is, you know, if we stay calm and we listen to the manager, um, and we continue to build on the performances. And if you perform well, then normally you get the result. So. You know, like I said, we have to remain calm in the moment where, you know, maybe some people will try and hype it up. Do you agree with that message, John? Um, he's saying stay calm. Um, and of course, it's a 10th signing uh, for Celtic in the summer. I think some some Celtic fans have been getting in touch with and saying, is it really 10? Uh, when you look at uh, players like Uruguay and Shaw, who haven't really featured too much of, of yet. But certainly Celtic are selling it as a 10th summer signing. And Callum McGregor is saying, uh, you know, trust Trust the gaffer, he's going to get things right. Yeah, and I think I think Celtic showed at the weekend they, they're more than a match for Rangers. Um, as, the, as the manager said, you know, big moments, big games, big players. And um, on another day, Celtic could have gone 1-0 up. And it's a different story. They go in half-time, there's a feel-good factor in the Celtic dressing room. Rangers are a little bit unsure. First game, didn't quite expect Celtic to come out like this and play the way that they did. So um, there's always a turning point and I think that that opportunity for Edward was a huge turning point in the game. And then credit to Rangers, they, they whip in a fantastic ball into the Celtic box. The defenders from, from Celtic failed to deal with it and then credit to the home side. You know, they defended their box then other than the Kyogo chance, McCrory save with his feet. Um, but I honestly, Rob, and there was nothing, there was really nothing in the game. You know, it was just that big moment in the first half. And then Rangers, as I said, once they went 1-0 up, they showed that grit, that, that steel, if you like, in terms of being champions. They only conceded was a few goals last season. So we know how, how hard it is to score against them. Mm. That's what makes the big chance even more frustrating because we didn't create, we didn't create all that many opportunities at the weekend, one or two maximum but the Edward chance, as the managers just alluded to then, if we got that, we're looking at a different story. I have to say, I thought Conor Goldson was excellent on Sunday. Mm. There's been a few critics or a few people... Has he been a bit around. shaky at times? Yeah, well, I think he has. You know, I, I put it down to the fact that they keep changing the centre-half partnership. You know, as much as to say, well, he's played with Hollander before, he's played with Balogun before, he's played with Jack Simpson before, he has. But in the early part of the season, when things aren't going well and you can see a couple of goals you want to build a relationship with someone. And I think that's the important place to build it. Having been a you want to get to know each other's game. You know, so it's telepathic, Rob. You know, when I'm going short, he's covering me. When he's going for the ball, I can drop in. You want that. So suddenly, it's different dynamics. Because what Jack Simpson does is different to Philip Hollander. What Philip Hollander does is different to, to uh, Leon Balogun. So just that little bit of disruption. So I just felt as if on Sunday, he was back to his best. He was winning tackles. He looked as if he was really up for the game. Plus, you have the speculation of his contract going on in his yeah, head also, yeah. of potentially leaving the club and people wondering what's going on. I mean, that'll be one bit of business Rangers will want to do is you know, ASAP. He's 29 but, years but of a big, age. A big moment then, Craigs, is Edson, Edson Odward got Odson. across... Odson. 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 Let's go for Odson Edward. Difficult. Edward. I know he's gone, but I mean, come on. <laughs> no, but he got across. Yeah, I forgot about him. 
he got yeah. across Goldson for the chance. Now, if, if if Edward scores yeah. there, mm-hmm. we're not talking about Goldson being great. No. So the fact that you know Edward misses that chance, all of a sudden Goldson's great again. You know he's kept a clean sheet and he did. I like mm-hmm. him. He's a, he's a very good player, very strong in the air. Yeah. Attacks the ball in both boxes. You know he's a really good player. I like him. Mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of his. Um, and he's he's eradicated a lot of mistakes that he was making when he first arrived at Rangers. Yeah, he's cleaned up his game, if you like. But we're talking about him being excellent, and he was excellent. But if Edward scores and he gets across, but again, then that's maybe the turning point he needed. Yeah. He's thought, I've got away right. with that. Or you know, mm-hmm. you look so, back at your game, mm-hmm. yeah. it almost disappears and dissolves because you've won the game and you've won headers in the second half and you've been in the tackles and the fans have cheered you. You know, that was the bit I noticed about the Rangers players committing to tackles, really wanting to show their supporters we're up for this game today. Because Celtic were a good side. They were coming in in good form. There would have been a fa- you know, a, a, a bit of fear in the Rangers players thinking, if this doesn't go right for us today, a little bit of doubt, if this doesn't go well for us today, where do we go from here? Suddenly, it just mm. turns it a little bit more. There's still more to come. They're still not at their best. They didn't perform. No. But Celtic showed enough on Sunday to say, we're here for the long haul. And we're talking about fine margins, aren't we, when yes. uh, when it comes to... Absolutely. Yeah, he was he was a really strong player for Rangers or, as John says, if that goal had gone in, suddenly you're questioning him. Gary McAllister, interestingly, afterwards um, speaking um, about some of the disruptive issues that have maybe gone towards uh, Rangers' start to the season. But building into this game, you know, and it, it always sounds as if it might be excuses, but the manager at no point, Stevens, at no point have we been able to select from... You know, a whole squad. We've had loads of issues. You're well aware of it. People suspended, you know, European bans. And so everything's just starting to blend back together and more people are now becoming available. But as far as today, people can go away now and and look at that game. You know, they've got got to take and and watch the game back because out of possession and in possession, that's that's the level. That's the level that we've got to try and... That's what we're going to have every game trying to achieve. Sometimes you can't do it. But that is the level. He's do sounding you, pretty positive, isn't yeah, but he? Do you know why? Do you know why, Gary? Because you won. The game is so much easier when you win. It's mm. so much easier to, you know, to say that we were terrific in the second half. They were, but if Celtic win, Celtic won. And you'd be saying, mm. "Oh, we did this right. We got in front early. We defended well. We did." But this. for Rangers, could that be the turning of a corner in the course oh, of the so game? First half, to, to, first half to first half to second half. The improvement. All I'm trying to say is, when you win, yeah. and Rangers now of uh, Celtic haven't beat Rangers in the last seven games against each other head to head. So Rangers are, are enjoying that. You know, they they can enjoy then the you know the they got momentum. We played really well, and yes, they did in the second half. But when you win, as I said, it takes care of Yeah, but everything. that's how you convince players then. You show them all the good moments of the games. You show the tackles, you show the shape, you show the organisation, you show the... Yeah, and the, 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 the resilience. You do. The tracks, yeah. you do. You show it all and you winning. convince, you see, we're back. This is what, It's yeah. all mental. Mm. It's all, now, you're, now they believe, they're like, all oh, right, okay. Winning yeah. takes care of everything. Yeah, yeah. Is he, right? is he explaining their Rangers start to the season? Does, does that wash with you? Does that work well, with you? That that is, you know, when you think about the European suspensions, he's talking about the injuries, the key players missing. Plus, I think something you touched on there a moment ago, which which is all the transfer talk and the fact that Conor Goldson is waiting to get a contract extension. Yeah. These things all come into play, don't they? Exactly. And, and you know, he said that they still haven't had a full squad to pick from. Plus, some of their better players or key players of last season haven't started as well as what they finished last season. James Tavernier hasn't been at the same level. Ryan Kent hasn't been at the same level. Connor Golson hadn't been at the same level until Sunday. 
Borna Barisic certainly hasn't been at the same level. Calvin Bassi's come in. Borna Barisic's done okay on Sunday. So the players are still trying to get themselves back to where they want to. And that's what happens when you set yourself such a high standard drop. The good, good players can continually hit those levels, hit those levels, hit those numbers. Rangers talk a lot about numbers, creative and goals and clean sheets. That's the things they talk about. They haven't reached that, but Sunday will have you just convinced them all a little bit. We're getting a little bit closer to where we want to get to. And that will be the psychological message that, 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 that the staff, Stephen Gerrard and Gary McAllister, will flip on the Rangers moving forward. But you feel Celtic, John, are getting closer where they want to get to as well. Uh, Odson Edouard has gone today, but he's a player who wasn't delivering at the level that he did previously for Celtic. Uh, Ryan Christie's days are clearly numbered. His deal will surely be done before today's finish. Lee Griffiths is out of the squad. Giacomakis has been signed 10 signings now yep. in this summer. You feel Celtic are getting there? I do, I do. And uh, listen, this season they might not get close enough, but I didn't hear Ange saying there on that little bit of piece that we listened to him, the boys didn't play very well. I thought no. the boys were excellent. It's gone. The game has gone on a little bit of uh, a decision, you know. Um, but I think he's happy with the progress. He wants to win. He knows he has to win. Um, the through to the Europa League the, uh, in terms of the group stages, which is fantastic for the clubs and big European nights. We've got uh, you know some really good nights to look forward to. Yes, we've lost against our biggest rivals, as Callum McGregor said there. We can't get too downbeat. There'll be a lot of noise about it. But Andrew will know he's got away with this one because yeah. the team played very well and it edged on a decision. But ultimately at Celtic, anybody knows you'll get a certain amount of time to build and these signings will come in and do you know really well for him, like Kyogo and Abada. But ultimately, at some stage, the yeah. fans will go, right, we've got to win one of these games now. John, good to talk to you as ever, Crags, as well. Back tomorrow on the Go Radio Football Show, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five.